Hi, Grandma. Thank you for meeting with me to interview you. Um, can you introduce yourself? Well, my name is Priscilla Gunter. I grew up in the state of Maine during I was born in 1935 in my apartment. And, uh, uh, of course, attended schools and so forth in Maine. Went to Tufts University in the 50s to uh, learn dental hygiene. And then I worked at that job after I graduated from uh, college and worked for like five years and met the guy that I married to raise my family and moved to Arkansas. And there we lived through a number of years. My husband passed away in 2003. And shortly after that, I moved to Montana to be near my daughter and her family. And uh, so I'm still here. <laughs> okay, thank you. So the 1950s was known as the Decade of Prosperity, um, but from 1950 to 1954, most society didn't think it felt that way because of post-World War II and food rationing. Um, but before we get into that, I'm going to kind of abbreviate of what you said earlier when you introduced yourself. So was dental hygiene more of a woman-based major when you went to college? It was. Uh, of course, Tufts University was, you know, mixed men and women and, you know, a lot of men involved. They did engineering and a lot of different fields. Um, but the school I was in for dental hygiene was on some classes mixed with another school uh, called Bouvet, I believe. I don't remember how to pronounce it. I mean, uh, spell that now. But it was all women who were involved in... Uh, pre-athletic type jobs. Uh, and we never did really mix with them. They sat on one side of the room, we sat on the others, and they were more masculine ladies in some respects, and we were more the ladies. So uh, I remember one uh, uh, instructor we had that was in zoology and biology. And he favored us because we were ladies and the others were a little different than us. But I mean, they weren't so different, but he seemed to make a difference with yeah. us <laughs> yeah. in his delivery of him. So were you viewed differently because you were a lady and were going to college? No, that was common. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so growing up, both of your parents worked, which had allowed them to provide you with college funds and everyday life materials. Um, how did being told that you had to ration post-World War II make you feel if you had money already to buy these products? Well, uh, as I told you earlier, they were both employed because my mother taught school and uh, my father worked for the town keeping up the roads. And uh, so they had income coming in, but a lot of people did not have a steady income due to the 
economy at the time because everything was, uh, the economy was all geared toward the uh, Second World War and supplying the troops with things that they needed, whether it was in Europe or other places. And uh, so some things were sort of limited, and that's because of the, due to the rationing, I mean, not due to, but it, the rationing was due to the limited um, use of some items that were crucial to upholding the troops in, in their efforts. And uh, so... I didn't personally feel, but, you know, you were limited on certain foods that you could only buy what was you had your stamps for. Now, that did not pay for the items, but you were limited because you had stamps. So one family couldn't buy a lot of supplies at one time because they only had they had to have stamps for mm-hmm. each item um, that was on ration, which wasn't very many, but, you know, it hampered someone from, uh, like today, uh, this <coughs> COVID virus, uh, people were going to the stores and cleaning out, thinking of, what they may need for the next month or so. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that. Right. Uh, with sugar and gas and yeah. uh, certain items that were in meats that were rationed, so forth. So that limited you, but, you know, you you can still survive and live well yeah. by being frugal and coming up with new recipes and whatever. So what were some of these products that you used ration stamps for? Well, uh, what did I tell you? Sugar and gas, as yeah. I just said, mm-hmm. um, and meats. Yeah. Uh, well, one thing I was telling you about was nylons uh-huh. that were commonly worn by women in those days. And... Uh, because they used the nylon product to make uh, parachutes for the armies. And uh, so they opted to put out some kind of a lotion that was tinted skin color that you wore instead of nylons. So everybody thought you had on nylons on your legs, but you didn't. You just had some uh, lotion that you put on and made you feel like you were dressed up. Yeah. Everybody wore skirts at that time, Mm -hmm. too. You know, that was another thing different. So how big of your life were rationing stamps? Not big to me. I remember Mm -hmm. going with my mother to a local grocery store, which was not like what we have today. But, uh, and I remember her getting out a book and handing the cashier or whoever it would be to uh, take those and, you know. So we could only buy what 
was necessary, you know. But it wasn't a big deal, you know. We got along fine. Yeah. How do you think most people acted during this time post-World War II? Well, at the end of the war, which was in 1945, um, I remember this, going to town, which was four miles from where we lived, going across the bridge, and uh, people were tooting the horns and yelling and, you know, thinking that this war was over and so forth. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of, you know, upbeat things going on. And because uh, we didn't have TV at the time, nobody did. Right. And uh, so we did, of course, hear on the radio. So I'm sure the radio was bursting with the good news that mm. the war was over. And, and, of course, it takes a little time to change everything around, and the troops were coming home, those that survived, and uh, needing jobs and getting back with their families and so forth. So, you know, there was a time period when it was still a little rough because of the economy being uh, pushed towards the troops. But in that adjustment period, you know, early or late 40s, you know, things started picking up probably by 41 or no, it wouldn't have been 41, it been 51, I guess. And uh, kind of picked up. And I remember uh, in New York City area, there was a town that was built to supply homes for these military people that were back home uh, with families and they made this town you know some carpenter people made uh, this town they called it Levitt Town because that was the name of the man Levitt was the name last name of the man who started that and uh, it became a little uh, kind of first community dealing with young families and, and uh, getting resettled in their lives after the war. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is still there today. Uh, I happened to read in something here re recently which made me think about it. Uh, you know, that town is still there and still booming. It's kind of outside New York a little bit, city, New York City. So... Things popped up about that, I'm yeah. sure, in other places, but you kind of hear about that one a little more because maybe that was one of the first kind of communities that started with what we now think is normal, you know, suburbs uh -huh. of larger cities and yeah. so forth. Okay. So did everyone get a ration stamp book? Every family did. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, according to size family, you're – Rations were larger, of course. Okay. We had extended family living together. Okay. How long after World War II were people still portioning products? I don't think very long. I'm, I'm guessing maybe a year. To, okay. Just to get things back into normal. Um, so what types of lifestyle changes had to be made in order to ensure that you had enough rations? 
Well, um, as I said, you know, people were more frugal at that time, having come from the Depression. Mm -hmm. Uh, They learned how to live with less. And uh, so I don't think it bothered them like it might have coming from the economy we've had here in recent years. Uh, But one thing I wanted to comment was uh, most everyone would have, if they had land, if they were in apartments, it would have been a different situation. But if you lived in a rural area and had a little backyard, no matter how small or big, um, you had what they call victory gardens back during the wartime. And uh, you raised your own vegetables Mm -hmm. and things that, anything like that that you could use so and then you canned that so that made you helped you go through the winter and so on so people weren't starving or anything like that but but they were maybe changing their diets to some degree to accommodate that okay how has your life changed through having to portion out food not really at all for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you think portioning affected the economy? Well, I'm comparing it to this COVID virus right. that we've had dealing with now. Um, and uh, because we were a frugal society, Anyway, um, worldwide, I think, was pretty much true. We were not used to uh, having a lot of anything, particularly. And uh, what was the question again? Uh, Do you think portioning affected the economy? Oh, it would have affected in some degree, but see, those efforts that were taken from the rationing were sent to the troops in Europe and other places. Mm -hmm. So those businesses were not affected because they were still trying to pump out the supplies. So, you know, the economy still maybe even increased because of the demand for different types of things. Right. And, uh, so I don't think, you know, it it wasn't being used for the local people. It was being used um, for the military and wherever they were stationed. So, you know, I don't think it affected us even. You know, we, we knew that we were conserving for the troops and, you know, happy to do it. Right. So kind of going off that question, do you think that because of the rationing that occurred shortly after the Great Depression was the cause of the decade of prosperity? Well, I'm sure because I wasn't around during the Depression. Right. So that was rough times, especially for certain groups of people, I would think. If you lived in the country, you were therefore able to raise your own food to some degree. But, and things were not 
you could not buy material things that maybe you would have liked to have. But uh, it's kind of going into war times and so forth that, uh, you know, people focused on different things. It wasn't so much them, if they could provide for the family, they were happy. Uh-huh. But beyond that, they were happy to supply things for the military and whatever was necessary. So when that was over, I'm sure there was a sigh of relief that, hey, now we can, you know, think about our families and schooling and things that have been important to us. Yeah. And instead of thinking about, you know, the troops are coming home and uh, we're going to be happy to see them and things are looking up. And it was a happy time, mm-hmm. you know. Like, I don't know who, which person it was, I think it was one of the Roosevelt Theater uh, that said they had this song, Happy Times Are Here Again. <laughs> And, you know, a little upbeat thing. Yeah. Everybody sang along with him because it was it was good times were coming. Yeah. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. How would you compare the 1950s and this time of rationing to COVID-19 right now? Well, you know, the businesses are all still working. Um perhaps not as fluently as they would hope, but they were producing and selling. Um, But it was probably an adjustment period from the war, now going into the 50s with the, the atmosphere of the country being lifted with the war over. They were looking forward to better things. And uh, and that was a positive thing. But today, with the COVID virus, when it started in early January, that was an unknown. We didn't know what it was going to amount to when mm-hmm. the, the prospects were not good at all, and it was going to be a worldwide thing and particularly in the United States, which it affected everyone worldwide this way, but businesses were closing because of the infectious part of that virus. It was very, very easily uh, uh, transported. And uh, so that kept people enclosed in most circumstances. So, and the hospitals were filled with people either sick or with the virus, and the hospitals were short on staff and supplies, and it kind of closed down the economy really bad. Uh, uh, The stock market went down, way down after having talked the limit for years to go down for in the back in the 
for years that had been creeping up and doing the top economy that we had experienced in America. And uh, all of a sudden, things changed because this virus was affecting every walk of life, mm-hmm. all people, poor and wealthy, both at the same time. And uh, so that was totally different than the war mm-hmm. because we were content where we were in the United States, but now people are filled with fear that they will or their families will get the virus and eventually pass away and so forth. So it's a totally different thing. For sure. And uh, so it's more serious, and it's called in all kinds of specialists in various fields to counteract this virus, and uh, they're becoming more and more aware of how it's transferred and how to... uh, fight against it so the, the it's going to be better but it does take a little bit of time mm-hmm. and cooperation from the people to abide by the rules that have been set up to stop the contagion of this disease Okay, well, that was my last question for our interview. So thank you so much. And I guess we'll probably hear from you some other time. Okay. (laughs) 